to Slow and Steady, the podcast where you get to follow along as we build products in public. Each week, we'll give you an honest peek into our lives as we share our struggles, our wins, and everything in between. I am Benedicta, and I am feeling relieved. And I'm Benedict. Today is January 25th. This is episode number 124, and I'm feeling very optimistic. And with us today is Leslie Sim, co-founder of Newsletter Glue, a newsletter plugin for WordPress. So let's start out with that easy question. How are you feeling? And maybe tell us where you're located. Uh, I am feeling tired, energetic, and optimistic. If that's... <laughs> that's a lot of feelings all at yep, once. <laughs> and I am located in Singapore. Cool. So we are, because Benedict and I are both in Europe, uh, and I think it's the first time we've, I haven't been on to all of the Slow and Steady episodes, though, but there haven't been any guests from outside Europe and, and the States, have there, Benedict? I think that's correct. He, he, yeah. We had AD on once. He's based in um, South Africa, but um, yeah, like mostly, time zone-wise, mostly European or US. Um, so Yay, number you're one. the first guest uh, from Asia. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought before we, um, you know, get any further into asking you questions, because we know a little bit um, about you from around the internet, but you could tell us what problem does Newsletter Glue solve? Uh, Newsletter Glue was a scratch my own itch situation. So we mm -hmm. originally had a membership plugin uh, that didn't really it wasn't differentiated enough and um you know there wasn't a strong enough reason for people to buy it it was kind of um, similar to the ones out there on the market and so we you know uh didn't get much traction so we were thinking about sunsetting the plugin um, but along the way of building it we had built a small feature um, inside the membership plugin that lets you connect to mailchimp and send out blog posts as newsletters um, which we thought we would would be helpful for members, and when we were planning to sunset the plugin, I was wasn't so sad about losing the plugin, um, but I was sad about that small feature because I used it personally for my own newsletter, and that kind of made me realize, you know, that maybe there was an opportunity there because if I was sad, maybe other people um, are looking for something similar. Because the reason I was sad was I couldn't find anything like that out in the market and and yeah so kind of one thing led to another and we decided to pivot and turn that tiny feature into the entire plugin and um, right from the start it had a lot more traction than the original membership plugin and so we kind of focused from on that and uh, went from there so you said you started with WordPress. Do you who do you uh, integrate with at this point? Ooh, we integrate with eleven email service providers. I'm gonna pull okay, it up you don't have because to, I'm going to. Then you don't have to mention all of them. But as a developer, I'm a little bit interested. Like, how do you do it? Do you, do you generate HTML and kind of just pump that into the email provider or email? What are they called? Email. Email service providers. ESP. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we connect via API key and exactly what you said. So you, um, inside the WordPress block editor, you type out your email. We turn that um, 
you know, magically into email-ready HTML, which is very, very different from web browser um, HTML and send that out to your email service provider, which then takes care of the deliverability side of things. What are some of the differences between, now I'm going all tech here, but what are some of the differences <laughs> between the, the HTML? I think both you and Benedict Ooh. probably have some knowledge here. Do you want us to basically go on a rant about how email <laughs> clients are not evolving in the last 20 years or so? <laughs> okay, so it's that yeah, bad. You, you don't know the, have... the Pandora's box you're opening up with that innocent question. <laughs> 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 okay then different question you keep saying we and i did introduce you as a co-founder who's the other person and and what's your different kind of roles in the um in the product or business so so yeah so i have a co-founder his name is Ahmed, and he lives in egypt and fun fact we've never talked or met before everything is done via slack and and yeah, so he takes care of the development side of things. He's um, been building WordPress plugins for over a decade now and probably has, I don't know, maybe to his name, like two, three hundred thousand downloads over you know the past 10 years. And so it's, yeah, it's nice to team up with someone nice. who knows what they're doing. And I just come on podcast shows and talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> That's, okay, that's so that's all you did do, I, right? <laughs> did I did I get that right? You never like I mean I get a never met part. I mean that's not unusual, but you never talked, like you've never been on a call. Nope. Wow, that's that's unusual. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. how did you meet or how did you and or how did you find each other? Uh we met on Indie Hackers. So in late 2019, I was running an agency and I was ah, super burnt out and not really enjoying myself. And I thought I would try building software. Um, and I can't, I'm not a developer, so I can't do it myself. Um, so I figured I would do the business and marketing side and I just looked for a co-founder. And so I went on the Indie Hackers forum and they have like a, I'm not sure if it still exists, but they have a section for people looking for co-founders. And so I went there and kind of looked at the different um, forum entries. I don't know what you would call it. And and yeah, so his one stood out to me because I was kind of, I've been in the WordPress ecosystem for a long time as well. And so I figured that building a WordPress plugin would probably be easier for me than a SaaS because I, I haven't done any of that before. And uh I know now that it's probably the same level of difficulty, but at the time <laughs> I was told, um, or like, you know, I listened to a lot of podcasts by experienced entrepreneurs and they always say that WordPress plugins are easier. And so I believe that. Um, <laughs> and so I thought, okay, I'll start with the WordPress plugin. And, you know, here was Ahmed saying that he was looking for a co-founder. Um, but yeah, best reiterating anyone who's listening to this, it's not easier. It's the same level of difficulty. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Like, I, there was a conversation on Twitter yesterday um, that had like a similar tone to it. Uh, someone was talking about like the slow uh, SaaS ramp of death and how SaaS is super hard. And um, then someone was like, "Yeah, um, I wish I hadn't picked like a 
a new type of product in that category I'm in and now nobody knows what to do with it and everyone's unfamiliar and that was probably a mistake. Like I should have picked a existing category and a well-known product. And I was reading this and I'm like, yeah, like we deliberately picked a well-known category and an existing market and stuff like that and it's still super slow and super hard so i feel like everyone's always assuming that stuff's easier for everyone else <laughs> so i guess that's just universal truth um it's always hard no matter what you do <laughs> i mean i guess like we listen to like justin justin jackson has been going on about how picking you know a, a high growth market in an established category is the key thing but then as you're saying you know even if you do that it's not as easy as he makes it sound yeah i mean i guess some people just get lucky or are like to have a good good hunch about picking up a, a particular category where the demand is just super high or whatever but i i think in the end it all comes with challenges that are different and there's always something and Maybe you get a maybe you pick a niche that's super super cool and a lot of demand and that stuff like that and suddenly you run into scaling problems and like mm -hmm. get drawn in customer support and like I I feel like that's always something that will make your life miserable in a way. <laughs> well now it sounds like overly overly <laughs> negative, but um yeah, you get the point I guess. <laughs> But I feel like, um, or that was just super interesting that you can meet like that. Even though I've been on the internet for years, I'm still amazed that that you can find business partners and actually, you know, have a successful product together without, um, yeah, without even having a video call. That is, that is. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, Ashro from our uh, Mega Maker community asked. Um, and you already mentioned the membership plugin, but did you do any more products or companies prior to Newsletter Glue? And if so, how did those prepare you? Um, so my first thing that I did for myself was run a digital marketing agency. And I did that because my background is in advertising. I worked in ad agencies um, for many years and I really liked really like it. I know a lot of people have bad things to say about it, but um, when you're what like, I feel like the model really works and um, a well-run agency, like the, the business of it and the employees are like, the business is like, works really well and the employees um, are treated really well and it's kind of a fun place to work because you're encouraged to be creative and you're encouraged to be, you know, cool, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> But the upside is it's quite flexible and relaxed and you don't it doesn't ever feel like you're sitting in a cubicle chugging away. Um so I, I like my dream was to build my own agency and um give other people that experience as well because I've worked in other companies before working in ad agencies and that did leave me feel like I was just a drone in a cubicle and I really hated that. Um so that was kind of how I started working for myself. And then, as I mentioned, um, in 2019, I got really sick of it. Um, I was kind of at the point where I had to either commit to scaling up and um, start getting serious and have a um, serious pipeline for both demand, so like new clients, as well as 
um, hire people in a more serious way. Um, and I just kind of didn't feel like I wanted to do that. And so instead of scaling up, I scaled down. So I fired a bunch of clients. I got rid of um, a bunch of the people that I worked with. Um, and and yeah, so then I started focusing on software instead. Um, the first uh, plugin that I mentioned we were making, the membership plugin, I did like all the wrong things. So um, it was my first time doing product management as well. And so, you know, I didn't know how to think about what features to build and how to talk to customers. Um, so there was a lot of learning and making making the wrong mistakes along the way. For example, before we launched, in my head for some reason, it sounds crazy to me now, but back then it sounded so obvious. Um, I thought we had it, we had to have 2FA for our logins. Um, and I thought, you know, customers would definitely want that. Um, and obviously, you know, customers don't really care about that, especially if you're a new plugin. <laughs> um, so yeah, just stuff like that. It was, it was really bad and stupid. Um, but yeah, so then when we pivoted to Newsletter to Glue, um, the, the plugin, the original kind of scope of the plugin was very narrow and, and then trying to figure out how to build around it, um, build the breadth of it so that it can, uh, fit more jobs to be done and like be a more solid product rather than just a feature. I think that took me a while to kind of figure out and learn. Um, and yeah, I guess like I've been kind of slowly getting better at that ever since. So when when did the pivot happen? Because you said the membership was in 2019 when you found your co-founder or was it in? Uh, so 20, start of 2020 was the membership plugin and then mm -hmm. that fizzled out quickly. So like, maybe three, four months. And then we were in limbo for another two, three months. And then, um, and then we pivoted to newsletter glue, I guess, mid like third quarter of 2020. Okay. Well, that's, I guess that's coming up on two years. I don't know. My time yeah. is, yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't my, I have a very warped sense of time these days, but um, <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. So we've been working um, on it a year and a half, and we've had a paid version for a year now. Yeah. So is this a nice. full time thing or a part time thing or a side project thing? How do you classify it? It's a ninety nine percent full time thing. Um, mm -hmm. I spend some time with, so I got rid of most of my clients and I kept one client and I still kind of do some work for them, um, on the side, but they, they're really nice and pretty low maintenance. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I think like, how did you keep going? Cause I started with POW at the same time. I think that's probably why I remember kind of you like going for a long time because I feel like that's such a long time <laughs> and I have been on multiple different paths since since then so how uh how do you think about like staying consistent and staying with that one product do you think that is hard for you or does it come natural for you do you have any tricks up your sleeves any advice for me <laughs> <laughs> what what do you mean by staying with one product like 
Benedict has also stayed with UserList, right, for many years now. Yes, but he's but now he has funding and like he is further <laughs> along. Like, how did you stick to the path in that first year, or do you don't or like how keep keep from getting distracted? I guess is my um, I I guess I knew that I wanted to build a business around a software. So from the start, it was you know very clear that it wasn't a side project or a hobby, and so I wasn't trying to build multiple things and. You know, playing. I was like, okay, this. You know, uh, we. I pub. I published a blog post on indie hackers, and I think, like, we got, um, I don't know, fifty comments, which, you know, or maybe even less, maybe like, somewhere between twenty five and fifty comments, um, people being interested and willing to, um, test it out, and so kind of, I, I knew that there was something there, and so, since. You know, since I could feel that, and I also kind of really believe in the product myself, and so there was no, yeah, there, there's nothing, there's no reason to to change or try something else because, you you know, people talk about it all the time, right? Don't don't do five different things; you're gonna fail. Like just focus on I that know. one thing. <laughs> I know people say that. People also say you should go outside every day. <laughs> Some of us have problems with that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, do you want to ask a question, Benedict? One of the more serious uh, ones. <laughs> I was just thinking that I feel like there's two parties. Like one party is like, yeah, you should stay focused and like keep working on one thing, and then there's the other crowd who says like, start a hundred things and see what sticks, and then focus on that one. So it's hard. I mean, I get it. Like sometimes you just get distracted and and want to work on something else. But um, I guess it helps when the product gets some traction or at least there's public interest in it and people are talking about it and using it. I think that makes it so much easier to to stick with it and keep going. Um, then there's still the trap of like, if it's not enough, then you maybe keep, you, you stick to it longer than, than, uh, than you should. But um, it sounds like it's working out for you. So I think... <laughs> You're on a good think, path there. <laughs> I think also something that you have, both of you have, is that you are two people who are not like that are that are co-founders, and you that and you met each other as co-founders. So you kind of have that commitment to another person to see it through as well, instead of just like for yourself. Because yeah. if I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this for three months, it's not really anyone mm -hmm. I'm letting down except myself. Um, and it's, it's, but if I had like with my yoga, as soon as I have commitment <laughs> to somebody else, like I do it every day. I don't, um, weirdly don't do it for, for, for me, even though, you know, that's why I committed so that I will do it because it's good for me. But so also an experience you, you had that like having a co-founder helps and just like that helps getting through the, like the the down phases where you don't feel like doing anything, but then the other person is maybe a little bit more motivated and is making progress and that then again motivates you and stuff like that. Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, it, I think it has been quite a lot of that, like especially through the pandemic. Um, incidentally, it's kind of a weird experience. Like this is my first time building a product and I'm doing it you know, remotely during a pandemic. I think it might have been very different if, if it was not remote and also if it wasn't during a pandemic. 
um, you know, maybe there would have been lots more distractions. Right now, I'm just at home all the time, so uh, no choice. You know, if I'm if I'm not working on newsletter glue, I'm probably either reading a book or uh, watching Netflix, but feeling guilty about not working. Um, so I think like that, you know, it sounds bad, which in some ways it is, it's a bit unhealthy, but um, for the health of the product, I think it, it's good. Um, oh no, I've forgotten your original question. <laughs> I, I guess you answered it, yeah. You answered it. And, oh, um, okay, cool. And on, kind of on that topic that uh, one of our listeners, Justin Jackson of Transistor, <laughs> I wanted to ask, what's uh, what's it like bootstrapping in Singapore? Um, I well, that's a. I mean, I can't speak for the whole of Singapore, right? <laughs> um, I guess it's good and bad. So, the nice thing about Singapore, um, especially during the pandemic, is that um, it's a really strict country. So, government has like uh, strict lockdowns, strict protocols. And um, everybody, like all the citizens are uh, very obedient. You know, of course, there's always the small number of people who are anti-vaxxers and um, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. But, uh, you know, the large majority is very obedient and um, law-abiding. And so we haven't had as many disruptions um, and drama and chaos as a lot of other countries have experienced in the past two years. So I think that level of stability has um, has really helped, um, has ensured that uh, I don't have to worry so much about things that maybe other people in other countries have to worry about. Um, you know, for example, I don't have to worry that my loved ones are going to get um, COVID and, you know, have health problems or anything like that. Um, and even if they did, like our healthcare system is pretty good. So again, I don't have to worry too much about that. Um, so I think that has been pretty beneficial. Uh, I would say the startup scene is getting getting more interesting in maybe the past two to three, three to four years. Um, I have to remember like increase the timeline because of COVID. <laughs> like two years, there's nothing <laughs> happening. So three to four years. Um, yeah, so I think like um, back like maybe five five to seven years ago when I started my own business, um, I was actually looking at like trying to join a tech company or um, do, you know, join startups and stuff like that. And there wasn't much around or they were not that great and not that interesting. Um, but I think that has changed a lot since then. Um, yeah, and there's like, it, it just seems like I feel like Singaporeans are becoming more and more savvy, um, which again, like maybe five five to seven years ago, it didn't feel like it was the case. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's pretty good to bootstrap in Singapore. Do you feel more connected to kind of a bootstrapping community in Singapore or kind of more like a global um, bootstrapping community? Definitely global. The Singapore... I'm not sure if you guys are like how familiar you are with Singapore, but it's a very, very small country. We have, I think, like six million people or something, and half of which my are my country not is locals. Five, so. Ah, okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, there you go. Um, so, 
so yeah, it's 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 very small. Um, and not many not many bootstrappers around here. Um, but I've connected with some here and there, and it's been really cool. But most uh, most people are online like you. I guess the pandemic doesn't help with like meeting local people. <laughs> actually, uh, actually, the the cool thing about the pandemic is now like it kind of levels the playing field. So I think that a lot of the people who would otherwise be meeting um, at events um, in real life now they can't, and so they all have to interact online. So then I get to interact with them. Um, so in the WordPress world, there's this thing called WordCamps, which is uh, basically like a I don't know conference for WordPress people and most people kind of go to WordCamps I don't know every month every every quarter every year and that's kind of how they interact with people and so since they can't do that and they're all online I've gotten the chance to meet so many more WordPress people than I otherwise would have just because they're all kind of forced to be online yeah. uh, with me so that's been pretty cool I hadn't really considered it but that's yeah that's actually that's a good thing about the pandemic. Hey, we found one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've also heard people saying like if you if you can't yeah, if you can't travel or you can't take time to go to conferences, it, it doesn't have to be kind of distance or location, it could be other reasons. They've said the same thing that okay, now I can attend conferences and be at home and do whatever I need or you know, if you if you have any chronic illness or anything that kind of prevents you from from like leaving your house for longer longer times yeah. then you can you can participate and you can participate with text often or like video which still kind of evens out the playing field a little bit because you can only you know you can only see each other heads or you can like turn off video and and everybody kind of just you know assumes we're you know we're, we're friends we met on the in internet it's it's all good <laughs> so yeah so um, yeah, totally. i feel and i got that like i think i've said that to benedict on the show before but i got that like early internet like happiness like you can make friends you know online that i hadn't done since like my early internet days and same it, yeah and i was like oh the internet like i oh i still love the internet <laughs> like this which is like weird because like what even is it but um but yeah i had that absolutely had that feeling um and it's helped compared to a lot of other people that don't have any online kind of existence i think uh, being uh, isolated or in lockdown is is harder for for them because they don't have like an alternative. So yeah, some good things, some good things. Yeah. You want to ask your pizza so, question, Benedict? Since we're on the online uh, online world, yeah. <laughs> I was was about to ask. I I'm going to ask the pizza question, but okay. first uh, there's another question by Justin Tech Jackson. We just talked about WordCamps and the WordPress ecosystem and the community. And Justin wants to know what's the best and the worst parts of being in the WordPress ecosystem. Ooh, this is like a. This is like another a, another like Pandora's box. Landmine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how many people do I want to offend in in <laughs> one minute? We won't um, tell anyone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so I think like the best part about being in the WordPress ecosystem is how friendly everyone is and um, how diverse the community is so um, like I like most of the people that I I hang out with okay I don't know how to put it I'm just gonna say it in a very unpolitically correct way and let's see how that goes <laughs> so, <laughs> do like, it <laughs> um, 
most of the people, even though it's online and I'm interacting with a lot of Americans and Europeans, I would say um, it hasn't been like I'm just interacting with cis white males. Whereas I think like potentially if I was interacting with the broader kind of tech community at large, that might be the case. Um, and it's not something that's like super apparent or obvious or anything like that, but um, it just kind of like comes up every now and then. So for example, um, you know, on Twitter, there are often these uh, people you should follow or, or something like that. And then, you know, then it'll be like all cis white males. And then there will inevitably be like a female who comes in and says, what about the females? Or what about the people of color? And then they will argue and then, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, or, you know, or events is the same thing, right? They will have like all the speakers of the event and then it'll be all cis white males. And then someone will be like, where are the women of color? And then they will argue again. Um, and I feel like in WordPress, that hasn't really been the case. I haven't really experienced that um, in in that community at all. And so like in my Twitter feed, and I make a point of following like pretty much anyone in the WordPress community that is tweeting stuff about WordPress, I just follow them blindly. And overall, my Twitter feed doesn't feel like it's just you know, cis white males. Um, and so that is something that I really liked, especially since I'm not a cis white male and, you know, and, and, and I'm on like a different continent. So, um, yeah, so that, that has been like, kind of a cool thing about WordPress that is not really obvious um, but just kind of happens to be the case and so like a lot of the people that I work with are also not cis white males the, a lot of people that I partner with are not like that as well and I mean not to say that you know there's anything against that obviously it's just that that tends to be you know the stereotype and I know the um, feeling it's, yeah <laughs> yeah it's I yeah it's cool that um, it isn't the case and it just kind of helps me feel more welcome as well and no, so no, so the flip side is that I've never felt unwelcome. So oftentimes people will talk about like, um, you know, like racism or sexism or anything like that in, um, in an event or in a community. And I haven't felt like that. And I think it's because the community itself is quite diverse. Um, so yeah, so that's, I guess, one pretty cool thing about WordPress. Um, that is a cool observation because yeah. if I think back to because I did go to WordCamp in Oslo because I did do WordPress um, back in the day, um, and I think you're you're correct. Probably you know a lot of white people though because it's Oslo, but <laughs> but but, um, but uh, yeah, many more women than at the JavaScript conferences in the same city. So um, you're definitely onto something there that that the community. I think maybe it's because. For for a long time, WordPress was one of the few kind of technologies you could get into in untraditional ways. You mm, could like yep. pick up WordPress from all kinds of ways. Like maybe you started out blogging and you're like, oh, I want to change something. And then you Googled and you're like figured out how to do it. And then you're like, wow, this is cool. And suddenly you were a developer without kind of deciding that like I am going to you know, go to school for that and all that stuff that, that I personally did. So I think, and I think the JavaScript community is getting there a little bit more that a lot more people are understanding that they can get into the, get into the community or learn the tech without the traditional route. And then you kind of open it up for, for more people. Um, but yeah, 
WordPress still like my first, my first love. <laughs> it's always going to have a special place in my heart. But, but yeah. Aww. Aww. But what's the worst part then? We were talking about the, the best part. Oh, can we like... <laughs> um, well, you can plead the I fifth. Say... Isn't that what they say in America? <laughs> it's nice that we're all not Americans on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um so thanks. Um so all uh I guess like the the tricky thing is that WordPress now is going through like a uh, don't know what you call it evolution. Um like Pokémon it's becoming the next <laughs> stage of evolution and so it's now trying to do this like Gutenberg full site editing become more like a drag and drop builder kind of a thing, um, and it's it's been like I think three three four five years I don't know how long like a very very long time, and it's still um, in the early stages. So if you can imagine, you know, like WordPress people like to throw around this um, over forty percent of the web is using WordPress as a CMS. Um, statistic and if you can imagine you know 40% of the web is being strung along on this full site editing neither here nor there you know the egg is cracking but the egg hasn't come off you know there's still shells like it's still been like that for many many years and it's um, I think been quite frustrating for quite a lot of people a lot of people have left WordPress altogether because you know, rather than have to deal with this constant change and like no 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 idea when it's going to reach an equilibrium state. It's like just been in this constant state of change for many, many years. So rather than deal with that, they like, you know, start working on Webflow instead or Squarespace or if there are developers, they start using, you know, different technology altogether. Um, and so, so yeah, that's, I think, like been the biggest challenge in the WordPress community for a while now. Um, I guess like I th there's so much potential um, so I can see in you know if you give it another two years or another five years it gets to a place where it's mature and um, it's a really powerful CMS but definitely you know in the next two to five years it's going to continue to be painful people continue to be really annoyed um, and there's just not much you can do about that, right? Like, I, I like to talk about how um, if you think about page builders 10 years ago, because like you have to remember that like WordPress is just starting to do the page builder thing. Like, even though it's a mature market, they are new to it. And so if you think about Webflow, like it took Webflow 10 years to, you know, get product market fit because it's such a hard thing to do. Um, <laughs> I'd argue, you know, like Wix is still not great. Um, and even within the WordPress ecosystem, there are, you know, like Elementor and stuff like that. Like it took them many, many years to get to where they were okay. And then it took many more years to get good. Um, so I think, and WordPress is dealing with a problem that none of these guys face, which is they have to bring people along slowly because there are so many legacy users. So they can't just say, you know, like, here's the thing, let's just try it, move fast and break things. They can't. Um, they have to ensure backwards compatibility for literally 100 million sites. So, you know, <laughs> you can't, you know, build a page builder um, 
by going crazy and like here's the most modern thing here's all this cool stuff like you'll piss off a lot of php developers um so so yeah it's a struggle yeah because i kind of fell off before the block block things and i saw that you just put out an update where you have uh, refactored the the settings page to use react and I guess WordPress was PHP, and and I know there's a lot of um, PHP um, listeners. So, um, how was that experience? Well, I guess you weren't a developer, but do you know anything about that experience of of having to learn React and using React on top of WordPress? So, I mean, that's the direction that WordPress is trying to go towards, like more JavaScript and React. Um, and like I said, you know this. They've been like talking about it for five years and implementing it for three years, and it's just been a slow move. Um, and so for us to move and use React is kind of like a bet on the future for ourselves. Like I, I think or I believe that in the next three to five years, more and more um, plugins will make that move, especially the newer ones. They're just going to start with React from day one, and um, you know. It would be cool if we are at the forefront of that, um, rather than you know doing PHP and then five years time when we are like too big also and have lots of legacy issues and then try to move. Um, so yeah, I think like for us it's also you know a fun playground. Um, I know my co-founder had a lot of fun actually learning React um, and building all of it. So it took us a lot, probably a lot longer than. You know, if he was already a um, React expert, um, but I think as a result, you know, it's nice we have like a super snappy, fast um, settings app now, um, and yeah, I think I think it's headed in the right direction. So WordPress.com, which is different from the open source WordPress, uh, they are trying to move as many things as possible to React as well, and so you know. My my very simple strategy is to just follow what they're doing because everything that they do is going to be implemented into the open source version. And so uh, if they do it, then we do it. <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a plan. <laughs> so um, it came up earlier today uh, in, this, in this recording. I have to ask about the pizza. Like <laughs> your Twitter handle is Leslie Pizza. I think your website is Leslie.pizza, right? What's up with the pizza? <laughs> um, well, it's a very boring reason, actually. It's a nerdy reason. Um, I I used to really like just looking at domain um, TLDs, top line domains, and mm -hmm. I think I think maybe like five plus years ago or something, um, they started releasing like a lot of crazy ones. Um, and so I would like scroll through and be tempted to buy all sorts of crazy ones. And then I saw Leslie.pizza and thought it would be really cool to buy it. Um, and then, so once I started using that as my handle, it, you know, it became easy to just use it consistently everywhere and become known around the web as Leslie Pizza. So yeah, there's no, I, I didn't own a pizza chain or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, just you're really good at branding, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can do it too. There's, you can buy Benedict Pizza. 
Um, the one that surprises me that more people don't use is coffee.coffee. Um, since so many people love coffee, so you can, you know, just like Leslie.coffee. Um, you know, given that there's Are like a buy, buy me. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but given there's like, you know, buy me a coffee, right? Like people should mm-hmm. buy their name.coffee and then like redirect to the buy me a coffee link or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's, I, it's something that I often think about. I My biggest about regret. I didn't, I didn't so know can, about coffee. Actually, dot yeah, coffee. there's a lot. There's like dot coffee, dot whale, um, dot whale. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. There's like dot pudding, dot cool, or something. Yeah, there's so many. <laughs> it's it's really fun to go through. Yeah, Benedict dot pizza is still available, so you're tempting. There you me. go. <laughs> you were checking it out, right? <laughs> but you were gonna say your biggest regret when I um, cut yeah. So I think like four years ago or something, I happened to see it.me like it.me and i thought oh this looks really cool and then i didn't buy it but can you imagine if i had bought it it, w- it was like two dollars or something i could have sold it i don't know for lots and lots of money so <laughs> yeah i regret yeah, not doing that well i regret buying all the domains because i had <laughs> so many domains that this year i will make an effort to have a domain delete party because they all represent IDs and I need to like have a ceremony to like let them go <laughs> in some way. Like, I don't know, maybe I'll write them on a piece of paper and like fire them, like burn them or what. I need to like release my ID for what they could have become <laughs> before. Because <laughs> I've done the simple ones and I still, still have a ton left. But um, before we start transitioning out, I wanted to ask you, um, what does a typical week look like in the life of Newsletter Glue? Uh, every week is different. Um, what I've noticed about myself is I go through like a cycle, like a on-off cycle. So when I'm on, it lasts for maybe anywhere from two to four weeks and I'm like super focused um, waking up early, planning my day, you know, doing all the good stuff. And then there's the off cycles. Um, for example, December, during the Christmas season, I was like total off cycle. Um, waking up late, watching Netflix till 2am, um, just all the bad habits. And I don't know, I don't know if that's just me, but I think I've like kind of been like that since since I was young just these like on off cycles and so I'm like being trying to embrace it a bit more and so like on my on cycles like now it's an on cycle um I've been uh not watching any videos at all so um in my downtime I just read instead of watch YouTube or Netflix um I've like started using a Pomodoro timer a bit more um, so like one hour on, 15 minutes break. During the 15 minutes, I'll like try to do push-ups or something. Um, try to plan my day before the... At the end of the day, I plan my tomorrow's day. So tomorrow I can just kind of start work. So like all the productivity hacks. Um, and then like, I'm sure in a few weeks time, it'll go back to the off cycle and then I'll just be horrible and a, you know, a, a lump of potatoes. Um, so, so yeah, right now, um, a regular day I wake up, I look at what I need to do for the day, um, read a bit, have breakfast, start work somewhere between 10 to 11 a.m. Um, and 
have a late lunch, maybe around two. Um, and then depends um, if my niece and nephew come over. If they come over, I'll play with them. If they don't come over, I will probably do maybe two hours of work uh, more and then probably another one to two hours of work at night when my co-founder comes online and when my customers wake up and start giving me support tickets. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of, yeah, kind of my day. Yeah, what time zones are most of your customers on? Uh, mostly Americans and Europeans. So, yeah, so late, late night for me, time zones. Time zone-wise. Okay. Um, I wanted to see about the cycle thing. It's like, it's very familiar. I've always al also been, been like that and try to um, embrace it a bit more in instead of, but I'm also now with like a family and all of the other responsibilities, you know, I'm trying to live the name of this podcast more <laughs> slow <laughs> and steady <laughs> um, because it's not as easy to like squeeze in um you know, those evening hours when I'm kind of in that on phase because there's other things I need to do um, in the evenings or in the afternoons now. But yeah, I think it's very familiar. And I've, I, I have read, you know, the difference that as women, we also have less of a, um, you know, like men have hormonally more consistent days than we have. So trying to follow all the regular productivity hacks might not work when you know, when you That's don't have that consistent 24, because yeah, men will have the same kind of hormones happening every 24 hours while mm -hmm. we will not. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, I made an app out of that. So, <laughs> you know, <that's, laughs> I did read up on it uh, quite a bit. But uh, anyway, I, I guess we're transitioning into our, you know, how our week has been. Um, Benedict was feeling optimistic again. It's it's a chorus, right? Or were you energized <laughs> last week? You're doing good at least. <laughs> like overall, my week hasn't been that exciting, to be honest. Um, I made good progress on working on the integrations infrastructure and stuff like that. But there was one thing last week that basically made my entire week or month potentially even year i'm not entirely <laughs> sure um but on friday night i was sitting on my couch watching netflix and i picked up my phone opened my email because bad habits and stuff like that and there were two support requests from customers in there that were talking about basically the same issue like there was something weird in the ui some button didn't work and stuff like that and i was like ah. Oh. I want to watch this show. I don't want to get up and check, go to the computer and check what's going on. So I opened up Slack and noticed that our new customer support person already had picked on both both tickets, was asking about it in, in Slack. And our new front-end developer was like, oh, I think I have an idea what's going on. And five minutes later, he had fixed it and published it, and the customer support person replied to it and um, basically sent a message to to those two customers. And the thing was resolved without me having to do a single thing, <laughs> and that, that made my day. <laughs> I was celebrating this so hard. <laughs> that is a win, and it's not even February. And you're right; that might be the win <laughs> for the year. 
I'm gonna write it up. Maybe we should have a little win book, and then we'll see. <laughs> like, does anything? You're living the business owner dream there. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm super, super excited about this. Uh, after it's coming up on four years, um, and this was the first time I didn't have to deal with a problem myself. And it was just a a major win. <laughs> So that has me feeling optimistic, obviously. So Obviously. Yeah, I was feeling relieved because school is back in session. So hopefully Woo-hoo! it will stay back in session. And last week when school was out, we decided to just seize the day and spend a night in a treetop hut. And I'll try Ooh. to put a link in the description. And that was amazing, but also similar type of win, Benedict, even though I did it all myself, but I managed <laughs> to keep, like, I managed to send all the emails and I managed to, like, be online and be present. And, like, it didn't look like I, w- even though I was only gone for, like, day and a half. But anyway, I managed to, like, prep everything and get it out. And I felt when I was, like, laying in that couch up in the treetop hut and, like, sending my email that I had prepped on the Tuesday, I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, like, I can have it all. Like, the same thing last week when I worked while the kids were stuck in a cinema, or my kid and a friend nice. was stuck in the cinema. So, but relieved that school is in session again, so I'll have some more um, focus time to, to get more stuff happening. And we got a new POW customer last week i don't know where they're coming from and like how they happen (laughs) upon this app that i haven't updated in a year so um you know again starting to feel like maybe you know you should it doesn't want to die so i should (laughs) (laughs) you should add a field to your sign up flow that just ask people how did you hear about us and stuff like that it's in the first email they get but i don't think they Open it. Just make it a field. Make it a field in the sign up flow. We have the same one okay. in our when we yeah. when people sign up like this. It's it might even be a required field. I'm not entirely sure yeah. because it's been a while. But it's super interesting just to see yeah. where, where people are coming from, and uh, especially if you're not doing anything that drives the traffic, it's it's even more interesting to learn how they find out about it. Well, maybe that should be my first update. And I could actually, because I have the sign-up flow and then people have to like, you know, add in their um, last menstrual date before they can start using the app because I kind of need to know when that was. And so I still have like a flow where they're kind of blocked from using the app. So I could add that even after kind of the, the payment yeah. part. Yeah, I, so. I never know when, when mine is starting or ending. Um my guy is like, how do you not know? Yeah, like, <laughs> Use pow.app. <laughs> like advertising <laughs> right here. Um, and I think the next feature will be the notification that can go to your partner because somebody in this household also wants that to happen. And he has now started coding. So like he, he will hopefully be able to um, help add that feature before the summer. So... But you were saying you were optimistic and two more emotions. Tired. Uh, say, like, t- tired. Tired. tired and energetic. Emotion? Yeah. <laughs> As you guys were talking, I was like, oh, I can't really remember what I said anymore. <laughs> Any I think it was optimistic, energetic, and tired. And I'm yeah. really curious about being energetic and tired at the same time. <laughs> oh, I can so, relate to that feeling. That's been my, like... Yeah, there you go. T- 2022, where I'm like... 
like excited about like getting this stuff done and then like tired. <laughs> like, okay, if you, if you put it like this, okay, like, yeah. Like I think mentally I on, it. like physically a little tired, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, I guess go I guess for me it's like um the like in the in the grand scheme of things kind of tired. Like, you know, running running a software business is very much a marathon and it's like a grind and the work that you put in now you only see the fruits of it in three to six months time and it's just like very very painful slowly kind of one step at a time putting your you know one foot at a time and so that part is like really tiring and it's kind of been chipping away at me um energetic um just because like i mentioned earlier it's like the kind of the on cycle for me now and so um i feel more like i have more energy i'm not just lying on the couch watching youtube for hours uh, so that's good and optimistic uh because we are kind of rounding the corner of a bunch of foundational things that i wanted to build um for a long time um so new website new u uh, new ui um new yeah, so new website, new UI, um, new accounts page, um, been hiring um, a bunch of freelancers as well. And so just like everything's kind of like coming together and like feeling more like a business and not something that we just kind of threw together. Um, and yeah, so feels good to kind of have that foundation in place and to start pushing it hard, you know, doing the marketing, building cool new features on top of uh, you know the new React settings. Um, so yeah. Oh, I know we were rounding up, but I now have a question. You were saying you were um, hiring freelancers and more freelancers. So um, could you uh, like quickly <laughs> talk, talk about um, how do you source them and what kind of agreements do you have with them, or what type of of um, relationship do you have with them? Um, or how do you structure the work been, was my how you structure the work yeah right so sourcing has been uh, all over the place I think it really depends on what role you're looking for so like freelance writers I found are, if you just send one tweet you're gonna get people DMing you for the next year saying <laughs> hey have you found the writer you're looking for because like I sent I, I tweeted about it I think like maybe August last year and until today I'm still getting people asking um, and it's not it's not like I'm getting you know 100 people asking or anything like that but actually at this point I think there's probably 100 people asking um, so writers there you go the easiest way is to just tweet about it um, developers has been more tricky we have I haven't hired um, I, I'm that's next on my list to hire a developer, um, freelance developer. Uh, I found someone that looked good on Upwork, but we haven't tried working with him yet, so um, can't say for sure. Uh, I've noticed Upwork quality going down lately, um, so that's something to consider. On Upwork specifically? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, it's harder to hire on Upwork now. Like Previously, mm. um, when I was running my digital marketing agency, um, we used a lot of people on Upwork and it was always a good experience, but now it's like not so good. Um, I think there's just too many people, so the quality has gone down. 
So you have um, experience working with freelancers from your agency and now yeah, inside of Newsletter Glue. So I would say that is one of those things that probably prepared you to do a yeah, I think if movie. I didn't have that, it would have been really hard. Um, marketing, we, I also hired a marketing person. Um, that has been really tricky as well. Um, yeah, so marketing was kind of a range of places posted in Indie Hackers. That that has worked well, actually. So um, Indie Hackers has a job forum and it's not very... Indie Hackers gets a lot of traffic, but not a lot of people posting, especially these days. And so when you post stuff... Um, you get outsized rewards. So I would mm. say like, if you're looking to hire marketing people, like, you know, those like growth hacker type people, um, mm. I think it's easy to find such people and indie hackers if that's the kind of person you're looking for. Um, and then also just in the WordPress community. So um, there are a whole lot of WordPress job boards and like uh, Slack groups and um, friends of friends. Um, we have a support person and he was kind of, he had applied to a friend's plugin and my friend wasn't looking to hire, but he just keeps that job listing open. Um, you know, just because of situations like this, sometimes you get a good person coming through. And so he kind of just asked, do you want someone? <laughs> um, and it just so happens like that week we had decided I was going to, we were going to hire a support person. I didn't, that was maybe in December or something. And I thought, you know, it would take us till February to find someone good. And then like, Within three days, you get found someone and it was amazing. Um, but yeah, that so... A, that is a great example a of, of, of increasing kind of your luck surface, as they say. Like being around, being in the community, being active, being helpful. And then when you need something, like it, it comes back uh, like to you. Uh, so that is, that is cool. That is cool. I guess that's it though. Yeah, yeah, we're coming up at an hour. <laughs> coming so. up at an hour. Um, so lastly, where can people go to find out more about you and Newsletter Glue? Um, so they can find me at on Twitter. I'm very active there. At Leslie underscore pizza. L-E-S-L-E-Y underscore P-I-Z-Z-A. And Newsletter Glue can... You can just Google Newsletter Glue or type in newsletterglue.com and we'll come up. Cool. And there will be links in the show notes. And also, great name, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> like the first time I was like, that is a great name. <laughs> the first time I, I saw that. Yeah, so, I'm like pretty obsessive about choosing good names. So I think it took me 10 days or something to come like thinking obsessively about it actively and obsessively about it to come up with it yeah so yeah Very thanks cool. <laughs> cool then thanks a lot for coming on it was a pleasure to talk with you um and all the best for newsletter glue and whatever you're up online and with your life and everything <laughs> see you around the interwebs yep see you around yep. the interwebs <laughs>